Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew, and my name is Anna. And you're listening to the Culips English podcast. Hello, Culips listeners. Welcome back. Today we have a Chatterbox episode for you, and Chatterbox is the Culips series for intermediate and advanced English learners that features natural. Unedited conversations between native speakers about an interesting topic, and today I'm joined by my co-host Anna. Hey, Anna, how's it going? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Andrew? I'm good, Anna, and I'm pumped up and excited for our conversation today because I think it's going to be a fascinating talk about music festivals. Music festivals, and we'll get into that conversation here in just. A moment, but before we do, I would like to let all of our listeners know that there's a transcript and study guide available for this episode. And following along with the study guide while you listen to us is one of the best ways to study with Culips, and you can do that by just signing up and becoming a Culips member. There are also a bunch of other extras that you'll get when you become a member. So to sign up and get the study guide, just visit. Qlips.com. We also wanted to give a shout out to our listener from Russia, but I'm not sure what that name is. But it finishes in 1986. I'm afraid I can't read those characters. You left us a nice comment and a five star review on Apple Podcasts, and you said, "Amazing, dear friends, thanks a lot for the podcast. I listen and re-listen to every episode with great pleasure. Recommend for everybody." It is marvelous. Very good. Thank you so much for that amazing review. And Anna, you're right. This listener wrote his name in Russian in the Cyrillic alphabet. Unfortunately, I don't know how to read that, but I got some help from Google Translate, and I found out that we pronounce this listener's name as Alexandrovich. So, Alexandrovich, thank you so much for your amazing review. And、uh, it's too bad that I don't know how to. Read Russian, Anna. Me neither. It's not part of my skill set at the moment. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> Nonetheless, we appreciate the review and everyone leaving a positive review and a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to Culips really helps more English learners around the world connect with us and study with us. So even if you leave just a short, simple review and a five-star rating, we'd really appreciate it. And with that being said, I think it's time to talk about our main topic for today: music festivals. So Anna, why don't we get started talking about festivals? And I'm gonna actually throw it over to you first, Anna. And the reason why I'm doing that is because. When I think of countries that are really, really famous for having awesome, huge, amazing music festivals, the first country that comes to mind is the UK for me. And since you're from the UK, you're the perfect person to tell us about UK music festival culture. So, what is a music festival like where you're from? Well, first of all, music festivals are a staple of. British culture, and by staple I mean essential. They're just a part of our part of our culture, and there's just something special about going to a music festival. It's not 
the same environment as going on holiday, for example. But it just, there's something about having everybody together. Everybody's there to enjoy music mm. and the, the vibe. And it's really hard to put your finger on it. It's a special atmosphere that you really don't get in other places because everybody's happy. Everybody wants to be there and listen to good music and relax and meet new people. And you just don't get that vibe in many other places. So we just have a really interesting music scene and so many different types of music festivals. It's crazy. There's literally a music festival for everybody, jazz, metal, pop, dance music. I mean, literally, you name it, and we've got a music festival for that. Sounds awesome. Sounds like uh, heaven for a music lover like myself. Why don't we take a step back and talk about exactly what a music festival is? Because I'm sure some of our listeners maybe haven't ever visited the kind of music festival that we're talking about. So could you kind of just tell us what people would expect to see when they visit a music festival? So a music festival for me is where many people or a large number of people visit one place to listen to music. So often, of course, because it's a lot of people, these places are normally outside of city centers, but not always. And you get loads of people going there. And then across maybe a few days, maybe one day, maybe two days, or in Glastonbury's case, five days. Wow, five days. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it's a working week. And you go and throughout the days, they have different acts, different music artists that will perform across the, across the schedule or the, the agenda, I guess. The lineup, the schedule, the program, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the program. And lots of festivals now not only have things like music, but again, to, to talk about Glastonbury, they have many other types of stalls, clothes, food. So it's really a mixture of many different things, but it's a large group of people all going to one place to enjoy music. So you said there's loads of people that go to these festivals, which means many, many, many people go. But do you have an estimate of like, for example, Glastonbury? We're talking about Glastonbury, one of the most famous music festivals in the UK. Do you know exactly how many people would go to a festival like that over the five-day time period? So in 2020, they sold around 135,000 tickets. Oh my God, that's wild. This is one of the biggest ones, of course. Not all festivals have thousands and thousands of people. Some are, you know, maybe 50,000 or 25,000. They're not all enormous, but Glastonbury definitely, it's huge. Glastonbury is like a mini city. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to mention as well is that when you go to festivals, another big part of that experience is camping. Because obviously you don't go to a music festival and stay in a hotel. Right. You go to a music festival and you go camping in a lot of cases. So this is also a really important part of the experience to take into account. This is what it's like. You go with your friends, you take a tent and you camp for five days, which for me is just too much. You'd have to be a real trooper to be able to camp at a music festival campground for five days. 
you know, maybe I could have done that when I was a university student, but these days, I don't know if I'd last. Maybe one day or two days would be all right for me, but five days, that would be tough. Are there people that do that, that stay for the whole festival? Yeah, I mean, that's the experience. You go and you stay there for the five days. Now, of course, there are other options. You can upgrade to have a luxury experience. You can go in a caravan, for example. But of course, those are more expensive options. But mm. most people will go and they will camp for the whole five days. But let's just put that in perspective because that's five days without your own shower. Yes. That's five days using a portaloose, okay, toilets. Yes, portable toilet, yes. You've kind of got to have a high tolerance for that type of thing. Especially because the lines are really long, right? It's not like you can just go anytime you want. If you have to go, you have to wait in the line, and that could take anywhere between, who knows, 20 minutes to an hour, two hours. It's crazy. You've got to have a toilet strategy. And by that, I mean going to find the, the port lose at a specific time when there aren't a lot of people, because otherwise, as you said, the queues are just insane. And also when you arrive at the loo, it's probably not in a very nice state. So, you know, it's also, you have to have a tolerance for these type of things when you're at music festivals. It's not your home comforts. That's, that's not what you're going to get. Right. <laughs> so have you ever visited Glastonbury? I haven't actually. It's on probably what I would say my bucket list, mm. um, Glastonbury, because I think it's one of these rites of passage, something if you're British, you have to do it, or at least try and get a ticket. Because you have to remember that nearly, I think in 2020, over 2 million people applied for tickets. Wow. So it's not like you can just go if you want to any year, you have oh, to apply no. for a ticket. And even though 135,000 tickets are available, it's still a challenge to buy a ticket? They sold out in 34 minutes. Wow, I'm shocked. It's on a level that's completely different than what I imagined. Of course, I knew about Glastonbury, and I've even watched some concerts from Glastonbury live on YouTube, because I think every year they do live streaming, so you can check out some of the concerts from your home, which is cool. But I had no idea that it was that competitive to get a ticket. There's all kind of methods that people try and find to get a ticket. But the worst thing that I've heard is when you go as a group of people and some people get tickets, some people don't, mm. you know, so some people in the friend group are like really excited. And then, you know, one or two are like absolutely devastated because they didn't get tickets. So it's it's kind of luck of the draw. And some t in some cases, you might apply every year and never get a ticket. So it's, it is really, really uh, competitive to get tickets. And you might not get one when you want it. Well, now I think that I have to go if if it's that competitive and I have an opportunity in the future, I, I'm going to have to go. You know, sometimes it's kind of like a supply and demand thing, right? When you can go any year and it's no problem, then you're like, ah, yeah, I don't need to go. But if it's unique and special and somehow I come across a ticket, then I feel like I would have to go and check it out. I had no idea about that. That's very interesting. Yeah. And they have your face on the ticket and, you know, so really? you can't pass it to any, you can't pass it to anybody else. It's super strict. So, you know, if you get a ticket, you're, you're super, you're super lucky and lots of people will be very, very jealous. It reminds me almost of that book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with the golden tickets. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. 
And what kind of music plays at Glastonbury? If you were to go, what kind of genres? Is it many different styles of music or is it mostly rock? Or what kind of music plays there? So I think one of the reasons that Glastonbury is loved by so many is that it is so eclectic. You know, they really have such a range of stuff, electronic music, jazz music, rock music, pop music. And they have headliners every year, which are, you know, they've had Jay-Z in the past, who I think was their first hip hop headliner. And so they, they always have new people and different types of artists because it's actually, I think they classify it as an arts festival, not necessarily mm. a music festival. So you know, it's kind of like performing and you can see the artists performing to like, I don't know, crowds they've never seen before. Yeah. I think as an artist, it must be incredible to perform at a music festival and that feeling you get standing at the front of the stage and being in the crowd, like being in the crowd is, you know, incomparable. I think when you're at a festival and watching an artist that you love, it's really exciting. Yeah, it must be such a jolt of adrenaline to perform in front of all of those people. Like, I could only imagine when you're on the stage and you're looking out at the audience, it must just be like a sea of people that never ends. Like, maybe you couldn't even see the end of where the people are standing. So it must be like a real out-of-body experience to perform in that kind of situation. Yeah, I love it. It's just, it, I really always think it's a great thing to do. It's, it's an alternative as well to going on holiday, I think, because a lot of people in the UK, we have to try and make do with what we've got because we haven't got the nice weather. So this is one way that we try and have a nice experience in our own country. But there are funny things about music festivals as well. You know, one of the things that I always think about as well as the horrible toilets are um, the hugely overpriced food. Oh, yes. I remember paying nearly 10 pounds for for chips with mayonnaise you know it's like really overpriced food and sure. also losing your friends in mm -hmm. the middle of a crowd and mm -hmm. having to try and find your way uh, back to your tent are also some festival challenges yeah you know in north america Festival culture is a lot newer than it is in Europe, I think. But uh, over the last 10 to 20 years, the festival scene in North America has really started to blossom. And uh, the first festival that I ever visited was called the Sasquatch Festival. And that was in Washington State, in eastern Washington State, an area called George Washington, if you can believe it or not, the city name is George and the state is Washington. So it's called George Washington. Kind of funny. And uh, that was the first big like multi-day music festival that I ever visited. And it was great. When I went, I believe Kanye West was the headliner. So it was another hip hop headliner, but most of the acts were like rock acts and folk acts and indie acts. There were also a lot of stand-up comedians. I don't know if that's a part of the UK festival culture, but in American mm. festivals, it seems like there's a big stand-up comedy component to it. Is that the same in the UK as well? Yeah, I mean, we have things like that. We also have things like food festivals. I mean, there's really any type of festival that you can get but no that, that's something that happens in the in the UK well actually another huge festival in the UK is the Edinburgh festival ah uh, yes and that of course has many stand up comedians and that is a fabulous festival the fringe festival right 
exactly the fringe festival yes that's the that's the correct name and it's wonderful oh it's just fantastic if you ever get a chance to be in edinburgh it's so busy there's no <laughs> way that you can compare edinburgh to any other time apart from the festival because it's so busy i mean just all of these people descend on the city center but it's it's fantastic you can see all these little plays of really random things some of them are good some of them are bad <laughs> you have street performers markets the fringe festival is is another really special experience you know i was in edinburgh when the fringe was happening a few years ago and i was only there for i think 2 days and i didn't see any shows the first reason why is that I didn't know it was happening until I arrived, so I didn't do any planning. And also I had different things that I wanted to do. I went and watched a bicycle race and I went to a hike and did a hike and so I just had different plans already. So I didn't see any shows, but one thing that I did notice when I was walking around the city, A, you're absolutely right. There were so many people. Of course I didn't have anything to compare it to, but I felt like wow, this is a lot of people for kind of small city like there's just a lot of people out and about and that kind of festival vibe or atmosphere that happens when people are gathered for that kind of reason and also i had many people approach me and hand out little pamphlets for their show like come see my show tonight <laughs> like oh, okay maybe but i never did <laughs> No, I mean, that's the, that's the point. You never, you never actually go. But there are all these people handing you flyers. But that's the beautiful thing is that you can go. And sometimes what you do is you get a little flyer and you're like, oh, well, I'll just go and see what it's like. And mm. I went to one and it was fantastic. It was really funny. So you find these little gems of, of you know, arts and performing arts and acting. And it's, I mean, obviously Edinburgh in summer, it's, you know, it's not like you get the good weather or anything like that, but it's, it's a fantastic festival and, and an arts festival as well. It's, there's music, there's lots of different things going on. So it's really like a, a variety of, of different things. I love it. It's great. Yeah, it almost reminds me a little bit of my favorite music festival in Canada, which is called Pop Montreal. And the way that it reminds me of Pop Montreal is that instead of being concentrated in one venue for, you know, five days like Glastonbury is or like the Sasquatch Festival that I visited in George Washington is, is that it's spread out among multiple venues over multiple days. The nice thing about that is that you don't have to camp, right? You can like stay in a hotel or you could stay uh, at home and then you can just go to a different venue every day and there are different performances, different shows. That's exactly what the Pop Montreal Music Festival is like. It takes place over about two weeks and there are lots of concerts and lots of big name acts that perform, but they're all spread out over about a two week period and different venues and different locations. So when the Pop Montreal Festival would happen, and I lived in Montreal at the time, I would always get a festival pass. And it was so fun with my friends, we would ride our bikes to one venue and watch like the opening act for one concert. And we'd get it back on our bikes and rip across the city to another venue to catch the headlining act at a different venue. And then we'd go to a party afterwards where there was maybe like a DJ playing or something. So it was super fun and one of my favorite festivals in Canada. 
That sounds amazing. I, I think now that now that I've done the whole camping experience, I think I'm kind of I've kind of moved on in my taste. So I yeah. think for me, being able to stay at my own house or having a hotel seems like a very attractive proposition rather than um, rather than camping. But I mean, there's just some festivals that are absolutely massive. I think the largest one is in the USA, Summerfest. Summerfest, yes, which attracts eight hundred thousand or one million people each year. Isn't that wild? It's wild. I've never visited Summerfest before, but I've heard of this festival. And apparently there are up to 800 different performers. And the performances take place over 11 days. So I imagine this festival is similar to Pop Montreal or Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, where it's spread out in different venues. Because I can't imagine that any country has the infrastructure to host one million people for a concert. This is another thing as well, like the the organization, like I, I used to like events planning, but then I think the idea of organizing and managing a, a festival like Glastonbury, it must just require or Summerfest or Pop Montreal or the Edinburgh Festival. I mean, it must just require so much organization and infrastructure, as you said, to make sure that everything runs smoothly. I mean, it must be so stressful while the festival's going on you've got all the build-up all the lead-up and then you know really stressful so many things going on and but there's so many festivals now and I mean I've traveled abroad to go to a festival that's very common as well Mm. there's a big festival in Serbia I went to a festival in Croatia so there's also this kind of festival tourism that has over the past few years that's definitely grown a lot, And that's also the sad thing that's happened over the past couple of years because we haven't been able to go to festivals. And right, right. I really hope that, you know, things seem to be starting to, you know, they're doing test events and things like this. And I really hope that maybe in the next few months or probably next year in the next kind of cycle of summer festivals, people will be able to enjoy this type of event again. Because I think people really miss it. It's such a wonderful experience. And I think it's been really missed over the past year or so. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I think it goes back to that point that I made earlier. It's like, you don't really know what you got till you don't have it. You know, you don't really appreciate a Glastonbury ticket until you realize that there are a limited amount of tickets. You don't really uh, appreciate music festivals until you can't go to music festivals because of a pandemic. So for the last a few years, I kind of skipped going to any music festivals, but as soon as it is safe to open festivals again, and we have some great festivals here in Korea where I live, I definitely would love to go and just hang out and enjoy some music with a bunch of other people at the same time. It's a really unique experience and there's really nothing else like it. I completely agree. And I think it's great to get, I'm sure artists as well are going to be desperate to start performing live and in front of audiences and not through a screen. Because I think that's a beautiful part about being an artist is getting to go and, you know, it's the artist and also the audience as well. It's just a, you know, I I, I really think it, as you said, it's a unique experience. And definitely if you're in the UK or anywhere else that has a music festival and you get the opportunity to go, I would really, really recommend it. 
Absolutely. Well, listeners, we would love to hear what you have to say about this topic. Have you ever visited a music festival, maybe in your country or abroad, maybe one of the most famous music festivals in the world, like Glastonbury in the UK or Coachella in the USA? We would love to know your experience, or even if you haven't visited a festival before but would like to in the future, please drop us a line and send us an email and let us know which festival you would like to visit. You can contact us through email at our address, which is contact at qlips.com. Well, Anna, that brings us to the end for this episode. And we'd like to say thank you to all of our listeners for making it to the end. And we hope that you learned a lot with us here today. Our website is qlips.com. And again, if you want to get the study guide, including the transcript and practice exercises for this episode, just check out the website to download it. Becoming a Coolips member is a great way to support us, but it's not the only way. You can also support us by leaving a five-star rating and a nice review on your podcast app, telling your friends about Coolips and following us on social media. That's right. Stay up to date with Culips by following us on Instagram and YouTube. Our email address, once again, is contact at culips.com. And if you'd like to send us a message, feel free to do that. We'd love to hear from you. And we read every message. We read them as soon as we get them. But sometimes it takes us a little time to reply. So please just be forgiving of that. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode. And we'll talk to you then. See you later. See you soon.